Hi there, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show John Keane, the director of the film After Auschwitz. Hi, John. Hey, Janine, how are you? Fantastic. I had a chance to screen your film, and it was so powerful. I appreciate that. I'm glad you got a chance to see it, because I'm just so intrigued by even what you represent on this show that idea of just moving on. We all, we all have times that, that we need to move on from and move, move forward. And I love talking about that topic. Thank you. And thanks for having a chance to investigate my show, because sometimes people don't know it's called Get the Funk Out. And <laughs> the whole premise is that like you can't avoid what you're going through on different levels, personal, professional, and you learn so much. Um, and so let me get right into this film. Yeah. I have so many questions. How did you find First of all, how did you come up with the idea for the film, and then how did you find these women? Sure, that, that kind of all goes together, too. Yes. You know, years, at least, I think in 1990, there was a TV show on the history of Jewish comedy, and Billy Crystal is talking about, you know, he's like, Jewish comedy, you put two Jews in a room, they make each other laugh. That's the history of Jewish comedy. <laughs> and I'm like, what room can I put these two Jews in? Mm-hmm. And I extrapolated out to the, the most... You, the, the, what's, what's, the, what's the room that they wouldn't laugh in? And I came up with Auschwitz. Okay. And then I started researching laughter in the camps, laughter as a survival tool. And that became the idea of a film that I did in 2007. And to do that film, I talked to hundreds of survivors, all in the L.A. area, because that's where I live, and I found these six women. And when I started working on that film, I realized that I'd never considered liberation being a bad day. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, well, I've got to do that film, too. So I had to finish the first one, then get to the second. Okay. So I, I found these women through through that first project, and they all had stories of laughter. They all had stories of of, of being emotionally strong. Mm-hmm. So that's a through line through both projects. Amazing. Now on your website, afterauschwitz.com, and you talk about about the film. Uh, tell me about these words. You're free. Go home. Hmm. I you know I just I I once. Every time I say things to Erica, who's, who's a lady in the film, mm-hmm. she'll look at me with just a very sweet expression and just say, that's such an American attitude. Interesting. And, I'm like, and one of those American attitudes is, you're free, go home. Or when you come to America, you're in America, put it behind you. Mm-hmm. It's like it's so easy to move on. But what we realize is, until these women had a chance to address and confront their past and talk about it and feel connected they never move on. You, you can't move on from trauma if you don't address it. Right. And they, they, they waited 35 years to do so. Were they hesitant to participate in this film? This film, no. They love the fact. It, that's the craziest thing. People are afraid mm-hmm. to ask survivors questions because they don't want to hurt their feelings. Yes. But to them, they're like, we're so pleased that somebody's finally making a film about what happened after. Because uh-huh. it's, it's as if the history stops in 1945, yes. and then we lived happily ever after. It's not. But until somebody asks them questions, they're unconnected. I have to tell you, my 18-year-old daughter, a part of a school trip, was to go to Poland and go to Israel. And um, she actually found the names uh, of family members that had perished. Wow. And uh, she took pictures of them, Konstam, on my grandmother's side, uh, German Jews. And, um, you know, for people that say, well, the Holocaust didn't exist, or they, they just don't understand the gravity, what do you, what's your opinion on that? Well, there's two, there's two things you bring up there. The first is the deniers, and maybe I'm glib when I say this. I don't argue with children or crazy people. 
Mm-hmm. And anybody who says that is, falls into one of those categories. Yes. The bigger issue are people who are losing the facts. And we know that as, as much as we think that this is such a, a popular topic among school and education, only 10 of 50 states in the United States mandate Holocaust education. The kids, the young people are losing the facts of what happened. Right. And we can't play free and loose with those facts. That's right. It was such a gift for my daughter to be able to go on the school trip. Oh, yeah, you have to, just to walk, just to put your feet on the ground that our ancestors walked on Mm -hmm. is incredibly powerful. You have to do that. Given the chance, you have to do that. Yes. So let's talk about this film, because uh, there were parts of it that just blew my mind. Um, Like, for instance, uh, when they were freed by the Russians, um, Mm -hmm. the British, the Americans, and they were on trains, and they're holding on to the side of trains, and they go back to, let's say, Poland, and then there's all these uprisings, and everyone's so angry, and they're thinking, we came back to this? Yeah, you, you know, more of you came back than left. You want your stuff back. You're not going to get it. You would think that, again, that's the you're free, go home. Yeah. You would think that after all that, people would be like, oh, we're, you, you have to remember what it was like living in those towns pre-war, and then you have to remember what it was like during those towns during the war. Mm-hmm. They suffered as well, but a lot of the people benefited economically from the Jews being gone complicated yeah. history it really but, is. but but you can't whitewash the fact that thousands of holocaust survivors were killed returning home it's a horrible there, there's a few horrible chapters of that history and that's one of them that i bring up the other is sexual violence against survivors yes which was widespread you can, i mean that's that's unimaginable to people there were parts of it i just i mean i had no idea most people will have no idea well, that's part of the goal. Look, the first act of this film is life in Europe after the war. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a standalone act. And then you come to America, and then you start dealing with what it's like to move on from trauma and try to create a normal life, knowing that normal w- w- is only a relative term for people that went through what they went through. Now, where has this film been screened? We have, we've been in, I think, about 26 different theaters across the U.S., mm-hmm. Um, we're in, close to you right now, we're in Long Beach for another couple days at oh. the Art Theater of Long Beach, okay. and we're in West L.A. at the Lemley Royal all next week as well. Okay. And then the big push after that's going to be DVD and, and video on demand and things like that. We've had a wonderful theatrical run so far. The press has been great. Audience has been great. I mean, you don't expect a film with the word Auschwitz in the title to be running eight weeks in the theater, but yet we are. And what's interesting is I, you don't typically hear about films featuring six women. You know what, that's, when I set out to do the first film, I had women and men, and the stories of the women were just so much more interesting, and, and because the women have access to emotional depth that men don't do. We just don't. Well, I mean, I guess I'm biased, but we mm-hmm. have a certain level of resilience, too. I mean, these women have gone through so many different things, but we persevere. I think that's part of it. I, I, you know, the, I always tried to figure out if there was some difference between men and, and women experiences. Mm-hmm. I do know, we do know that men socially had farther to fall when, when, when their lives collapsed mm-hmm. because they had all the status in society in, in that time. Yes. So the women were the ones who took on leadership roles because they, were, they, they, they did have the resiliency. They weren't as decimated by what happened. Yeah. But, but that is the trait that we see so strongly in these six is that ability. Like Renee says, people ask Renee, oh, you had hard days in America after the war. How did you, how'd you even get out of bed? And Renee looked at this woman and just said, you're alive. You know, you're alive. You have to hope that this day will bring you what, what you want it to bring you. You're alive. Yes. Like they haven't, the appreciation of just waking up is something that, 
that, that they understand far more than we do. Mm. Now, I want to get into a couple of the women um, here. Now, I know some have passed away since. Right. Which, uh, for you to capture them before they did pass and their stories is such a gift to their families, I can imagine. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. It's funny, I hadn't thought about that at all. And then when I finished the first film, I realized that it was a legacy for those families. I thought I was just making a movie. I really had no idea the depth of what I was getting into 15 years ago when I started on this path. Well, because, John, think about it. For the grandchildren who may be too young to see this film, later on they're going to say, wow, I didn't know about Lily. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or like even like Rena saying, because she met, she held her her great-grandchild. Mm-hmm. And that baby will get to see stories of, of, of his grandmother, his great-grandmother. Incredible. And some of these women, uh, let me see, uh, is it uh, Renee Firestone? She mm-hmm. still lectures and does all these things. to almost, you know. Yeah, almost daily. Renee just turned 94, and she speaks almost every day to, to kids in and around. She, she, flew to, she flew to San Jose last month to speak to a, a group of judges. She was in San Diego a week after that. She's Whoa. unbelievable, unbelievable. That is really incredible. I know, look, I have enough trouble, like, you know, like, oh, I had to go to Long Beach last weekend. Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> you know? I know. And we, Renee went with me. You know, and I, I, there's another woman, uh, Eva Beckman. Mm-hmm. I guess she just recently turned 94. She's turning 96. <gasps> oh. <laughs> and Eva walked. She walked from her apartment to the theater one day. It was about a mile and a half. She walked to the theater because she felt like watching the movie again. She didn't tell oh. me. And what also I intrigued me about her is, um, was it her or another person? Oh, I think it was another woman. Um, oh, it was Erica. Erica was liberated with her mother, whereas most right. people, they lost their parents and their right. siblings. Which is so complicated for Erica because even she was liberated with her mom, mm-hmm. moved to America, lived with her mother for decades. She said mm-hmm. because of that, she was never entitled to her own anger or her own sorrow. Oh. She felt unable to express anything because her mother had lost more. So she felt she could never complain about her husband because Erica's mom lost her husband. So it wasn't until Erica's mom passed that Erica really was able to embrace her own anger and her own sorrow. I mean, all these things that you don't think of that they deal with, and until you ask the question, you don't know. Like, that's what we have to do. We have to ask questions of people. Don't be afraid of hurting feelings. Ask questions if we're sincere. So, John, when you started this project, you had no idea the magnitude of what you were about to do. Oh no. Yeah. No. Look, I, I this 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 concept, the idea of liberation being a bad day blew me away because I thought I knew a lot about the Holocaust. I've worked with museums, I've worked in education, and I had never thought of it. Mm-hmm. But this film, look, I didn't expect the political climate we were in right now. But we are. The film resonates in a way that I didn't expect when I started working on it. But it taps into a transition moment that we're at in our society. You know, twentieth, twenty first century world with survivors to world without survivors, political climate that we're in. We're, we're definitely in this, in this time of great transition, and the film speaks to that, yes. I think. Well, and more and more people are speaking up about a lot of things. So, And one of the things you mention is when they were liberated, uh, they left Europe, they came to America, and people say, you're in America, put it behind you. And yeah. so they haven't had a chance, as you said, to process this, to talk about this, to heal. Right, or with Erica, when she did finally bring it up to a family member, she felt comfortable, and the family member judged her. Oh, oh you stole. That, that wasn't right to do. So it's like now it's like you can't speak because you're judged by American values. I mean, it was so cold. You know, that I remember a scene in the movie where um, 
I forget who it was, um, maybe it was Erica, where they had gone into an abandoned house and she mm-hmm. found an apron and a tablecloth. Yeah, that's all. Erica, yeah. Okay, and it had the initials, was it of her grandfather? Yeah, it had her grandfather's initials. She still has that cup. So she's in this, they, they go to loot the city, for mm-hmm. people who are they loot the city just to express anger mm-hmm. and to find food. Right. And Erica finds a little white apron and she finds a kiddish cup, a little silver cup, with her grandfather's initials. And she keeps that cup, and she still uses that same cup for Shabbat at her house now, 70 years later. I'm sorry, but I feel like there's a reason for certain things, and that was meant to be. How can it not? I mean, it's you like, know? how can you not see that and think Come like, on. hmm. Yes, there was meaning. And plus, that probably gave her a little bit of strength that, you know, look what I have. I have because, something to hang on to. Even, right, even with her anger which was one of the only times she expressed anger, mm-hmm. she found humanity because it was about hope. It was about moving forward. It was about her identity and her family. Yes. I mean, it was the beginning of healing, right? whether she knew it or not. And she probably knew it because she is so... I mean, she's amazing. She's one of the most emotionally alive people I've ever met. Before this film, had you ever really connected with older people before on this level? Yeah, probably not on this level. I mean, this is like a whole new world. But again, I started working on this stuff when I was about 35. There's a limit to what you can do when you're young. That's true. You know, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather growing up, who was a Russian immigrant. Mm -hmm. You know, he had an impact on me, just the way he lived his life. My -hmm. wife's family were survivors, so I sort of had another chance at grandparents with them. That's great. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think this is all part of just growing up. I it just takes longer for boys to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's such a gift when you have a relationship with a grandparent and they share these stories with you. And when you're, when you're a teenager, you're like, yeah, whatever. But, you know, and then we get older, we're in our 20s, and it's like, you should write it down. I remember yeah. my grandmother saying, um, my father's name was uh, Samachutsky, and my grandmother's last name was Malashkevitz. And I remember <laughs> laughing my butt off. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm going to write it down phonetically. Yeah, we were Kazushniks. <laughs> what was that? We were Kazushniks. 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 Can you say it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We all were something. That's the thing. We all came from somewhere. That's right. So I know we have to wrap soon, but what else would you like people to know about this film? Again, I just like, like I think you're trying to do, sometimes we just need to see things. We need to see things through other people's eyes. We need to understand what other people are experiencing. And to do that, it's as simple as just asking a question. Yeah. What are you feeling right now? What are you going through? Tell me how that makes you feel. Mm-hmm. And just a simple question can lead you down this, this road of discovery. Yes. And that, that, that's what I get out of this film. That's one of the things. I think there's a lot of themes, but that's one of them. And I'm sure the, there were these different themes that came about. I mean, as a filmmaker, you, you don't go in there with a narrow view. You're, you're open, and then you see what comes out, and you probably pursue different paths right. based yeah, on I mean, that. I did... I did four complete edits of this film to, to get to where we are now. I mean, it's 420 years of life in 80 minutes. Wow. And until, until I found the theme for each woman, yes. each person, that's when the film really came together. They each represent one distinct theme mm-hmm. that sort of come together and intertwine at times, not to get too filmmaker-speak, but that defined the film once we found those, those, those themes for people. Amazing. And, and people see, look, people will see the movie, you'll see it twice, and you'll see a completely different film. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many different stories going through it that you can follow. The uh, cinematography, everything, all the footage, how did you find all that old footage? A lot of work. This internet thing is pretty neat when you use it properly. Amazing. <laughs> it's easier to do, it's so much easier to do documentary now than it was even 10 years ago. Everything is accessible online, you just have to work hard. 
So you you would find footage, and then you'd have to get permission and all that yeah, kind of stuff. A yeah, a lot of this stuff, a lot of stuff is public domain. You also have to learn how to work cheap. Yeah. I mean, I I, I only spent there were only maybe four or five um, bits of footage that I had to pay for. Okay. If you work really hard, you can find the free stuff. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful film. Tom. I appreciate that. Well, hopefully people will come see. They can check out the website, which is afterauschwitz.com. Okay. Join the mailing list, see when screenings are going on, and get more info. See the trailer. Fantastic. And where can people find out more about you? I guess the website as well. Okay. I think the film is more, more interesting than me, but there's a little <laughs> bit. And those women, they're a lot more interesting than you. Oh, I'm, they're I'm inc- kidding. I don't, I don't understand why anybody ever asks me a question when I'm out with them. I, I don't understand it. I'd ask them questions, too. There is a uh, video clip of uh, you with another woman on that website. Yeah, it's a Q&A with me and Renee. It's about a 10-minute Q&A. It's great. Which is really neat to see her talking about some things. And then when the DVD comes out, which will be this summer and fall, okay. I'll have a bunch of different Q&As and a lot of extra footage on it. So hit the website up, give me your email address, and I'll make sure that you're on the mailing list when this stuff does happen. Fantastic. John, thank you so much. It's been oh, great pleasure talking to you. It's a lot of fun. If you missed any part of this, it will be up on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. And if you want to follow the show, I am on Twitter at moms underscore rock.